0: You remember that time you were telling a funny story about something that happened to you in your past and it dawned on you that it sounds like you're telling a villain's origin story and you just might be the villain. My name is Jason Farias and this is my Madness Method. Hello everyone, this is Jason Farias. Welcome to my Madness Method. The relationship with Bear and Bear's family, uh, extended family, uh, if it were, we wound up getting really close. I felt very safe, very accepted. And, you know, everything that's led us to this point, it seems like that was my driving force behind everything. And admittedly, since I... Began growing closer with Bear and that group of folks. The rift between Chris and I got worse, but it was strange. We were still running together. We were still kind of, you know, doing our thing. The girl he was dating, the one where he moved into the house with where Qua once lived. Her name was Rachel. Uh, it was her house. We, we always knew that. But what we didn't know and we wound up finding out much later was that... Uh, it kind of went oh, oh, way deeper than we expected. A lot of time was spent hanging out at Rachel's house. It was a constant party at the house, like giant TVs, video games all night because you know the drugs did that to you. I gotta admit, she and I clicked really well. She was a super cool chick. Like, uh, uh, she's actually the one that put me up on 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 shaping my own eyebrows, and I never looked back. Uh, so I have her to thank for that. Um, but my time was really at this point split between being with Bear and and this newfound kind of acceptance. This this It's different, you know, like nobody's looking at me to support anything. Nobody's doubting anything. It, it. It was just a very <laughs> it's ridiculous as it sounds. It was a very positive environment for as horrible of a situation as it actually was you know, there were, there were two different sides of the same cloth. Okay. There was bear and the old school mentality guys that handle your business. You, you you stay quiet, stay low, do what you had to do, but you don't, you don't make a fuss about it. And then in the same town, there was this whole other group, the young and the old, and these young guys were, were loud. It was this guy, Danny, Danny was the yin to the yang of bear right like this this guy Danny was the kind of cat that would like pull out guns and like there was a story he made some dude strip down and walk home naked because he owed him some money right in the street you know at the little local corner store and just loud obnoxious in everybody's face one of them cats that the intimidation came from being loud right you make yourself big and you look more scary and this is who Chris was gravitating to I don't know. If it was for any particular reason. It's just how it worked out. They started spending more time together. I started hanging out more with with Baron and, and these guys. And you know, for the longest time there, I mean, me and this guy Danny got along. His crew, they were cool cats. You know, there was nothing wrong with these guys. We we would hang out. There was always like a little a little tension there. But, I mean, that's kind of the game you're in at this point. By by the time you get this entrenched in it, like everybody is distrustful of each other. So even in the best of times, it could go down at any moment. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So with the natural progression of things, I was taken under the wing of some high-level guys you don't realize it until you just, Oh, these are my friends and, and you don't see them as these imposing figures. Cause they're, they're your friends. But this is where I got the lesson in how to manufacture meth. There were individuals that were in charge of certain steps. And, you know, like I'd said, my reputation had preceded me. They they heard that I was able to, just on a whim, just because I I, I needed to figure it out for myself, I figured out how to make some high-quality stuff out of some trash. Apparently, the, the idea here was, well, if this kid can pick it up on his own, we can teach him some things and do some amazing stuff. You know, there was a lot of manufacturing of methamphetamine as opposed to ice or shabu, as it were. The shab was what we were dealing with. The Filipino side; these guys had that really clean ice uh, and the the pure raw. And so, what what I needed to do was with this other group that was doing it more under the radar, much more easy to access pseudoephedrine type dope. I leveraged some relationships and 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 made sure that I had direct access to pure ephedrine. It's interesting when you figure out, hey. I live in a farm town and a lot of these ingredients are farm related. There's all these stories about the drug trade and the meth sales and the breaking bads and the, you know, the, the, all these different shows that there's something that's not being said that I don't know if anybody really even picks up on, but there's a tertiary character in almost every one of these movies, these shows, these scenarios. I mean, it even goes as far as, you know, the every town America um, and the meth epidemic or or the videos on the news of drug busts in Mexico. there's There's something in common in every one of them, and it's the rural area. It's the farming area. It goes beyond just the open ventilation and the seclusion. It's the fact that these ingredients are day-to-day use. This is the natural environment to find these ingredients that are used to manufacture this drug. So it's very commonplace to have access to it. It's it's not uncommon to need red or yellow phosphorus. Harvest season comes around or Maybe post-harvest season and, and and the farmers are doing their inspections and they find that some of the leaves have red striping in it and that it doesn't belong there. And, and so what they're, they know is, OK, it's time to feed the soil and truckloads of yellow foss or red foss will be dumped at the fields for them it to all be tilled in and feed the fields for the next harvest. When you're growing up, oh, this fertilizer ingredient, right, it seems difficult to get. It's not. There are times in the past I can remember driving down French Camp Road where there's just metric tons of it on the side of the road waiting to to be tilled in. You can buy iodine crystals right now on Amazon for like forty bucks. Wasn't quite that easy back then, but it was still easy, and nobody would slow you down from buying it. Now, mind you, you walk into somewhere that's selling that, and you're tweaking your balls off. They're they're probably going to ask you to leave, but nonetheless, it's available so many of these ingredients are agricultural related but the hard one the really hard one the the oceans 11 level activities that had to occur in order to get hands on pure fedrin well there's one thing that's also consistent besides farming in rural areas and that's storage and distribution and manufacturing And there was always this story, this chatter going around that there was a place in the Central Valley that was manufacturing pharmaceutical grade, and then insert a few different options, one of them being Fedrin. First, you had to make sure that that wasn't a bunch of bullshit, right? So you got to case the joint, right? You find out where it is. You verify that it is what it is. And then you just kind of take inventory, check the parking lot, look at the cars, you can probably get a good vibe off the vehicles in the parking lot, which people or which, which vehicle owners probably party on the weekends. That's definitely not a, a, a scientific rule of deduction there. Um, but it worked. Plotted out a few cars, watch their owners come out of the facility, walk to their vehicles. You can eliminate some more than, no, Oh, not them. They're just broke. Right. Oh, not them. That's, their bar and their mama's car. I don't know, whatever the case may be, but you you whittle it down and you pick a couple and either you or you have somebody else, you know, Hey, figure out where these folks go. And then you just happen to wind up somewhere with them. You know, it's a bar, it's a, um, some event, whatever it is, but you strike up a conversation you have a good time. You, you buy some drinks, you throw some money around because money has influence. And uh, station has influence and drugs have influence. So you posture yourself as that person people want to know. And then you make friends. And then you leverage favors. And that's what I mean. Like, that was difficult. You know, that wasn't an easy task. Like, it was almost like I was a missing piece From bears family these guys were doing big things but nobody did that thing i just did that stepped the game up to the next level and this is where i went from knowing how to form ice from from a raw version to manufacturing from from the beginning if we go back to the beginning and i was running around with bobby and we were moving you know pounds over a month. It took a while, you know, never in one piece. It was always pieced out. You know, we thought we were doing big things. It was like minor league stuff, minor leagues, but the majors were keeping an eye on us. You know, that kind of fell apart, but I, I established myself as a, as a home run hitter. But then I left Arizona, was able to get some clarity, at least from the outside looking in. But then I came back and, and what, what Chris and I wound up doing was you know, it was almost like getting called up to the majors a little bit. You know, like getting to take some swings, or we were just brought in to strike out. Noth- nothing major. We weren't sticking around in the big leagues. But then getting with Bear and-, and his family and his team and what they showed me and what they challenged me to accomplish, I, I know this all sounds very motivational, speaky, right? But the reality is, to keep with the in- baseball analogy here, right? Like I was getting ready to put up some big numbers. I was gonna make history. I was gonna go to the Hall of Fame. I was gonna go down in history. I mean, that's the difference. That's the evolution, right? Being in a farm league to the big leagues is is really the difference between Bobby, Chris, and Bear. I went from the distributor to the cleaner to the manufacturer. Those are some heavy steps. Rachel's house was in a very convenient spot for this. I can't really get into a bunch of detail as to exactly where this house was positioned, but what I can tell you is we knew that where this house was, they weren't going to raid during the day. There's no way it would be too unsafe. There was no sneaking up where this house was situated You'd know they were coming. We had cameras everywhere. It, it didn't really matter. But, you know, between Bear teaching me and, interestingly, this guy Danny, and he's teaching them. Now, I'm going to tell you, y'all ever gotten a recipe from, like, an auntie or a grandma or somebody, and then you see them teach somebody else, and you see that they left out a step or an ingredient, and you're like, ha, ha, that ain't going to be it. Uh, you could tell that that's what somebody did to this guy, Danny, because his, his shit just never, it never came out right. I mean, we've, we all, we've had some mishaps, perfect example. So I, I was kind of curious as to what Danny was doing, because I knew what I was doing over with, with my new team and Danny had set up shop and, and, and mind you, so you get these, you know, 96 tab pseudoephedrine pills, you get two of those boxes, you can yield about a quarter ounce of meth out of that right? So it's very easy to produce this shit. But the problem is, is the reactions that are required in order to transform the federin into amphetamine. Just imagine a glass ball about the size of a basketball, right? With like a, a big thick stem tube coming off of it. Okay. And this is what we held over the heat and got it rolling and got it rolling. and And so I was in the bathroom this bathroom had like a like a entryway, and then there was the bathroom part so we're we're in this spot, door shut, and I'm just observing I'm watching like seeing seeing what step he's missing. The top of this thing is plugged, so he pulls the plug and it's heated. it's hot. The stuff's in there reacting with with all the right chems. I believe it was water. I don't I don't this it gets a little foggy here. I believe it was a couple drops of water he dropped in it or maybe it, it, the condensation dropped back in, but in. No time, like there's not an elapsed amount of time that this happened. The entire room was filled with smoke, it, it kicked a reaction. Room was filled with smoke. I spent the next three hours looking like you know, that scene in Joe Dirt when he made it in the house that was getting tented and being fumigated, and he's sitting in the sink. Me, 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 me. That was, I swear to, you, that was me for three hours. I was obliterated. Getting caught in a chemical reaction of a meth cook, of a meth batch, that this is the kind of shit that blows up houses. This is the kind of shit that kills people. And I just got high as fuck and wrote it out for three hours. and And it's not until now that that I'm the age that I am today, and I look back and I'm like, oh my God. most people in that situation, you would hope, would have an epiphany they'd have something to do. Oh, I got to change my life. That was crazy. That was stupid. Me, on the other hand, I'm like, woo, let's do it again. But you know, uh, that just made me throttle down. It was yet another hurdle that I just cleared. So let's keep, let's get to the next one. And I thought nothing of it. Just keep doing drugs. You know what I did though? I I did figure out what step he was, he was fucking up and it's probably the chemical reaction step would, would be my guess, but I wasn't one of these guys that, like, oh, I, somebody showed me how to do this. I know how to do this now. I, I took the time and I read books and I learned and I, I educated myself on how to do this right. All of my chemical reactions were intentional and of the highest quality. So no surprises, at least not not in that fashion. Hell, I still wonder if I'm walking that one off. Like I'd said, there's, a, there's always a trust thing. You know, a lack thereof. Even the people that oh, that's my boy. Yeah, whatever, man. They're all arrest away from snitching or feeling hurt away from turncoating. And and I realize that's a really drastic way to lead into this, but actually, I wound up making friends with the owner of a head shop uh, up in Stockton. He was a cool cat. But what what I got him to work out with me is is all of the baggies that would come in like, and for those of you that don't know the little Ziploc baggies that you can get little tiny ones, little dime bags, little, you know, up to eight ball bags. And and I mean, I even had quarter ounce bags, but the bags would have little pictures on them. I don't know if anybody even put ever put any thought into this, but to me that was going to be quality control. So I had a conversation with the guy, let him know, Hey, you know, every time you get bags in, I want all of the ones of the same pictures. I don't want you to sell them to anybody else. And he agreed. All right, cool. So it was kind of cool because, like, some days he's like, "Oh man, wait till you check these out," and and he'd show me. And I'm like, all right, those are cool. And that like this was my quality control. That I knew that if somebody was having something to say about my dope, right, let me see the bag. No, right, that ain't my shit. Now, I realize that is a very loose quality control process, right? Uh, the bags could be reused, uh, dumped in other stuff. And I get it. But that's what I started doing with my dope because this guy, Danny uh, and chris were were kind of going nuts, and you know, their stuff was good, but bear and the and the team, they they taught me all the ingredients and all the steps. and I, I had conversations with the people that I got the red floss and iodine crystals and all the other stuff. I had conversations with them. Help me understand what this stuff is. And equally, for some reason in my head, I felt like if these people had this open conversation with me, and I was very clear about my intent on what I was doing with it, that, that they were as implicated as I was. So that would help them keep their mouth shut. It worked. Um I took care of them. I, I was pretty generous with, with all of these individuals. But my baggies were how I would know whether or not somebody was full of shit or somebody was trying to trying to do me dirty. I don't know that I ever got an example of a time when it, it did or did not work. So to me, that's 100% compliance, right? <laughs> what we've got away from... Is the original reason we even came back to California? Like, okay, great. I've, I've got a strained relationship with with Chris. He's got this new girlfriend. Where'd her other dude go? A bear and a family. Like, we've we've got all this evolution. But what we've gotten away from is what what brought me back from from Arizona, other than losing all my shit, and not really having anything else to do. But this is all happening, and and Chris has charges on him. You know, I, I came home to take care of my friend. All of this bad shit that's happening, that's still that's still my boy. Like that it was still me and him, these goofy kids, teenagers, you know, going to play golf with with baseball bats and putters. That was still my friend. And I, I needed to try to help, regardless of current situation. And and that required a lot more legwork than I expected. I knew I I, I had to start by hunting down officer chops. So I kind of did the regular bum around of, of, you know, I talked to a few people, see what they knew about. Oh, we haven't seen him around. Okay. Put out some feelers where he might be. And, and there was just nothing. So, I mean, unfortunately I, I had to find out where he lived. I was able to, I mean, it's a small town, you know, and, and honestly, I, 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 was never trying to be harmful to the guy. I just needed to have a conversation. And, you know, I showed up one day to his house and, and unexpectedly, and boy, you should have seen his face. You want to talk about unexpectedly. Oof. But I just, I looked, looked, I just need to have a, a talk. You know, like I got introduced to, I'm assuming his wife, girlfriend, who whomever it was, it was home that day. But, you know, oh, this is, this is my buddy. It was that day that I realized he either... Never knew my name or forgot it, which both of those seems problematic for him. So I introduced myself to her. Hey, I'm I'm Jay. Like, I didn't even try to change my name like a jackass. Oh, my God. So we have a conversation. Look, man, my, my buddy's in a bad way. He's circling the drain, making some bad decisions. Such and such happened. And he was like, yo, man, I don't ever want to fucking see you here again. I said, I, I get it. I get it. I need you to understand I'm just trying to help a friend. So, he was very clear about his position, which I respect. But he told me like, "Look, I've I've been moved. I don't know if he was promoted or transferred or what. I don't know." My typical guy interaction, right? I'm just going to listen to what you tell me. I don't need more detail. He also wouldn't have jurisdiction on federal land regardless. And I knew that, but I was hoping that maybe, just maybe, like there was something, tell me something. Is it, you know, is there something we can do? Is there somebody I can talk to? I don't, I, maybe he did have the answer, but he, he sure as fuck wasn't sharing it with me. Cause I know he was none too pleased. I think he understood that I wasn't leaving without a conversation. I I, I really came away empty handed that day. Interestingly, there was like, I, I think there was an understanding and, and like, that was going to be the last time me and him were going to have a talk, but leaving with no answers from my friend left me feeling pretty, pretty helpless. Because what was I going to do? Like, I was so used to being able to fix things. Fix them easy on top of it. And this time, it wasn't fixing easy. Like, how am I going to protect my friend? And what do I do when I need to think? Man, I hit that Mossdale Bridge. That night, I, I went out to the Mossdale Bridge, and I climbed that son bitch. And I sat up there like the tweaking Batman, just getting loaded, doing my thing. And I had to have some thoughts about what happens next. funny thing about being perched up so high is perspective. Sitting up at the top of this train bridge, you know, 100 plus feet above the water. Traffic whizzing by on 205 off in the distance. You can hear the water uh, clearing the pillars into the water. And and it's just very calming. and, And it's a very surreal place to be at while you're thinking of all of these scenarios you have in your head that you think you're supposed to be doing something about i've come home to try to help chris with his legal situation but as i'm sitting up there i realize there's a whole new situation that's that's evolved that i'm not hearing people talk about i'm i'm not hearing people acknowledge Everybody's just glossing over it. And and this is where I, I zoned in and, and realized Chris is living at Rachel's house. Where's her ex-dude? Where's Kwa? Where'd this dude go? I can't imagine that, that he's pleased with what's going on here. And everybody's just going on about their business as though everybody didn't kind of just slide in a dude's spot, you know, and, and were real loud and boisterous about it. It was sitting up on this train bridge that made me realize something's coming. And I I don't know what triggered that thought. I, I don't know what made me realize that. I think it's time to get armed. Like I, I ran through this whole scenario. What would I do if I was quiet? And I, I determined that I, I wouldn't be too happy and I'd be looking to do something about it. Not knowing who this guy is, but knowing that I've li- watched enough movies, listened to enough rap songs, and hung around with enough scumbags, I know what could happen. And the only way to defend yourself is to be able to defend yourself. And so I have this bright idea, oh, it's time to get armed. Now, mind you, I mean, we live in the country, right? I mean, come on, Mantica is is anywhere USA, right? It's, it's just yet another cow town spoiled by drugs and amphetamines, especially. So there were guns, there were guns, drugs, and alcohol, right? We gone shooting, but, but this was different. This was, I'm not going to go to a gun shop and buy a gun. I, I need something disposable and in typical J fashion, I do the furthest thing from finding something to conceal. Originally I was looking for like an MP5 uh mp5 is like a like a dual handled like little machine gun and and the reason why i was looking for that is i knew somebody that had replicas and they were either battery or air powered don't let these things fool you they'll they'll hurt you like these things these aren't like the orbeez guns you can get nowadays these things are hurting people it dawned on me that you know what i i don't know that these people i'm trying to protect i even trust I'm willing to go to certain lengths to protect them, but would they keep their mouth shut to protect me? So it dawned on me, Hey, if I could get some guns that were like the replicas that I know if, if I got guns, that looked similar to that. If these things ever went into use and these guys ever opened their mouths about it, the thing that they would describe, I would be able to produce and it's a fucking toy. I ain't going to line up. Closest I could get was a PTR9KT. I don't know why that I'm good with numbers and, and letters, I suppose, but that one always stuck with me because it's not what I wanted. And I was I was pretty upset by it. Now, unreasonably so like, hey, don't don't buy fucking legal guns if if that's how you want it. But knowing that I was looking for these particular guns, I had to call in a favor. First time finding him since coming back from Arizona and the last time he and I have ever spoken. But I had to find Lorenzo again. He's pretty easy to find. He put the word out. He was able to get what I needed. There was like a special one that I wanted just to be able to fire it and say I had it. And I asked him to give me a an M16. I always wanted to fire one of those. And I figured, fuck it, if we're doing it, let's do it. I hear how crazy that sounds. I, I understand. Like, why wouldn't you just get a 45 or a 9? And why do I do anything? Okay, In my head, I was like, hey, I know that I have access to these replicas, so let's go get real versions of it. And I mean, you know the ridiculous amount of thought that has to go into what kind of gun to buy based on plausible deniability? I even went as far when I got these as to paint. So my sister's quite the artist. There was always paints around the house. I went as far as to paint just a couple details— onto the side of the 9KT, just because I needed it believable. I look back on how sick that sounds. Like, I needed a throwaway, fully automatic weapon that looked like a replica, and I painted it. I I was sure I was protecting my friends. I was sure of it. This is how I'm going to do it. But I don't trust them, so I'm going to do this elaborate scheme. But on the upside, I had these two really cool guns. So those get tucked away, they get tucked away in places where I could get to them if I needed them quickly, whether it be a false compartment in the car, gun safes at whomever's home, you know, they were, they were kept within an arm's reach, felt very strange to have access to them. I think it freaked me out more than empowered me to be perfectly honest. So now we're back and I'm analyzing everybody's moves from this point on. Something's coming. I'm now armed. Nobody's talking, you guys, nobody's talking about it. Why isn't anybody, at least even the slightest bit concerned? And I'll tell you what, it's interesting when you ponder something hard enough and when you really want the answer to something, it shows up. The answers will come to you. You ask the right questions, you'll get the answers. That concludes this chapter of The Madness. If you're finding this podcast entertaining and you're listening along with me, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to tune in next week and let's see how crazy this gets. I'm Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method.